December 21st, 2008, First Church and Parish in Dedham, the Reverend Raleigh Weaver, Midwinter. Despite all the snow we have seen this weekend and the increasingly cold weather, according to our calendars, it was only at 7.04 this morning that winter actually began. Today marks the shortest day and the longest night of the year. Depending on how you look at it, this is either the deepest, darkest day or the marker from which the light returns. Is it any wonder that at this interesting season, when the light has decreased and the world has grown quiet and peaceful, that so many holidays are celebrated? Sundown tonight marks the beginning of Hanukkah, and just three days from today we will be back here celebrating Christmas Eve. With all the frenzy that surrounds us at this season, and with our preparations at this time of year, we are often at the very least inconvenienced by the short days and the snow and the ice, and at the very most distracted by it. In our holidays, we are trying to focus on the light. That is why we have all those candles in the windows. Christmas and Hanukkah remind us of the light in the darkness. Yet in some ways, this takes our attention away from the season we are actually now in. When it comes to how we can appreciate this winter season, it is truly our perspective and how much we pay attention that matters. Our poem this morning from Billy Collins points to this truth. Can't you just see it? The Buddha who is all about being present, becoming one with the snow? Or was he one with the shovel? I can't really tell because I'm usually more full of the same commentary of Billy Collins than I am the focus of the Buddha. I am much more likely to search for the escape from the now, especially when it comes to snow shoveling. It's not that I mind shoveling, but I am more likely to focus my thoughts on what has been or what will come to pass than to fully engage in what I am doing, mostly because I'm cold. My mind seems to want to be distracted from the cold, and yet I believe that winter demands something different from us, something more akin to sitting than action. Our bodies cry out for this slowing, this hibernation, this hunkering down. And if we do not pay attention, external forces such as sickness and snow and ice and accidents can slow us down. Winter means business. This is a time of freezing. The word solstice itself derives its meaning from the Latin sol, meaning sun, and cistere, to stand still. Even the sun is in some ways sitting still and meditating today. Last summer, when I was striving to be at one with the earth up, on the Ad up in the Adirondack Mountains, I woke each morning and went outside and stuck my feet in the earth and turned my closed eyes toward the sun, soaking in its warmth and saying the Gyatri, a, a sacred Hindu prayer. You who are the source of all power, whose rays illuminate the whole world, illuminate also my heart, so it too can do your work. As the seasons have changed, I have continued to address the sun in this fashion as I first go outside each morning, only I keep my shoes on, 
This prayer has made me feel more whole and clearer of purpose. The only problem has been that as the weather has grown colder and the skies increasingly more gray, the sun seems farther and farther away, and connecting to the sun in the darkness feels much more difficult. This started me wondering what it might be like to connect my spirit to the darkness. While there are some prayers to the moon and rituals around its waxing and waning, many religions talk of the darkness as something to turn away from and to fear. I wonder how we might see the world differently if we embrace the darkness of the winter as much as we do the light of the summer. What if we saw God in both places, the dark and the cold, and the light and the warmth? How might this change our perspective? What benefit might there be to turning our hearts and minds toward the darkness instead of avoiding its shadows? I love the meditation written by my friend and mentor, the Reverend John Marsh, who points us to recognize that there are already many dark things which we value. Chocolate and coffee and sleep and newsprint. There are all types of dark things we already love. What if we were to revere the dark corners of the room, the haunting feelings of the dark times, the shadows of our past, and see God there too? This is panentheistic thought. It, panentheistic thought is based on the understanding that God is not just in the light, but God is in all, and all is God. If you've never heard of pantheism, that is probably because it was only coined in 1705 by a little-known Irish writer named John Tollin in his book Socianism, truly stated by a pantheist. It is often used now to refer to many pagan and earth-based religions, religious thought, but also refers to ideals of our Unitarian roots. Socianism was based on the work of Faustus Socianus, an early Unitarian who established the Unitarian or Socian Church in Poland. He was born in 1539 into a prominent family in Siena. Faustus, Socianist, inherited his uncle's mind and writings and questioned the Trinitarian understanding of the divine. You may remember hearing that the Inquisition began to make Italy unsafe for those who the Roman Catholic Church considered heretics, and his uncle Leonis went into exile. When Leonis died, young Faustus inherited his uncle's heretical writings and then went into exile himself in 1574. He ended up in Transylvania, where the first known Unitarian king, John Sigismund, reigned from 1540 to 1571. Socinists finally ended up in Poland, where he began the Unitarian Church and lived there until his death in 1604. Pantheistic, socialist, Unitarian ideals that see God in all and all in God have been considered heretical by the Church as recently as the founding of our parish. Is it no wonder, then, that it might feel somewhat strange to see God in dark places? And yet isn't that the only way through them? If we can embrace all that is our life, even the dark spaces, even the mud, even the snow, even winter, if we can engage in the shoveling as the Buddha did, how much richer might our lives become?
For me, the sun prayer brings fire and warmth to my soul that it needs. But as I strive to meditate on the dark and the cold and the silence, I find peace that passes all understanding. In all my searching for prayer to, to the darkness, a friend finally offered me this reading from John O'Donohue that during the dark days of winter I've begun to meditate upon. I have adapted it to read in the first person for use in my daily meditations, and I offer it to you this morning in the hope that it offers you some insight to your own heart this winter solstice. Let us pray. Light cannot see inside things. That is what the dark is for. Minding the interior. Nurturing the draw of growth through places where death in its own way turns to life. In the glare of neon times, let my eyes not be worn out by surfaces that shine with hunger made attractive. May my thoughts be true light, finding their way into words, which have the weight of shadow to hold the layers of truth. And when I look into the heart, may my eyes have the kindness and the reverence of candlelight. And when I am confined inside the dark house of suffering, May the moonlight find a window. Darkness and snow and winter are gifts to us. Let us sit with them, offering our presence of mind, our openness of heart, and our gratitude for all the spiritual nourishment they provide. May it be so.